Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. It seems like a very important moment for me, just as far as like uh, coming to you in a tragic week, a week of like mourning, and I don't know about you, I just can't even watch the news. Um, and, uh, and for us to be here, I, I really believe that you're here for a reason. I think God has brought you here um, for a very significant I don't think it's a message for me, but I think it's just being in his presence. So we're going to start today by honoring the word of God. If you just stand up, we're going to read. Um, we're like your, your Apple watch. We tell you when to stand, sit down, stand, sit down. We're going to go to Mark 9. So if you have a Bible, if you want to turn to it, Kelly's going to read it for us. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he didn't know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising of the dead meant. That's the word of the Lord. Please sit down. Please stand up. I'm just kidding. So I think Jonathan had this vision that if he gave me one of the spiritual gifts I didn't have, it would actually make me more like that. So he gave me the spiritual gift of service, but he also asked me to share a little bit about what Kelly and I will be doing soon. And so it seems a bit petty, honestly, for me to talk about us. I mean, I, I will get into some of it, but what I really want to do, my prayer, is that we'd all walk out with a lot of hope. That we'd all walk out knowing we're loved by Jesus. So if you'll pray with me, Father, whatever you want. I think of Samuel when he picked up the things and they say he carried it for the rest of his life. Lord, those are the things that we want. We want to hear from you. 
Whatever words I have, may they fall to the floor and not be picked up. So I invite you into this room, Holy Spirit. We know you're here, but we welcome you. You're a gentleman. You don't force yourself on us. But we ask, Lord, that we could be filled with your presence and with the knowledge of who Jesus is and that we could worship him this morning through the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the spiritual gift of service, Kelly would testify that I do not have this gift, but the unique thing is she does, so I don't know why she's not giving this message, and I am, but those who have this, they have a strong ability to not complain when they serve. And that is, that is who Kelly is. There's no strain, there's no striving. It's just a simple act of love, of serving. If you'll keep your finger in, in Mark 9, we're actually going to go to Romans 7. I just want to show you that this really is a spiritual gift. And I'm just going to say, um, starting in verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, this is a scripture we've used and will continually use through the series on spiritual gifts. And the members do not have all the same functions, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I love that. I don't think it was so emphasized, but I'm emphasizing. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. So what is this word service? Diakonia in Greek means, and you can look up that word too. It's not, I'm not smarter than you. You just pull up a Greek dictionary and you'll see that this is really the word ministry. Active service, done with a willing, voluntary attitude. No forcing or living by guilt. It's really just releasing. It's something that is within you and you let out. We all have some, we all have some of these gifts. Like it's here. I've seen it come out a couple of times. But, but one thing I do know is those who do not have a strong sense of service, they know the people who do. Because they want them around all the time. It's such a beautiful gift. It's one that everywhere I've been, every church that we've been a part of planting, I think of one in New York. If it weren't for Ricky Kramer, I can say John Tyson's name. And many of you go, oh yeah, John, John, pastor. But most of you won't know Ricky Kramer's name. Without Ricky and his gift of service, there would be no Trinity Grace Church. We all have some of these gifts. There are, there are just some like this of service that just wells up in our heart at times. <clears throat> you don't care that it is difficult or costs you something. You just want to serve. You surrender to serving someone out of a desire of your heart, right? Not to please men. This gift, like all the gifts, are guided by faith. As we trust and abide in Jesus, these gifts flow from our hearts outside of the world. Now, that's the gift of service. We can go. See, we can load up on knowledge and intellect, but it's actually, well, Billy, that's not enough. 
Like we, we actually want to, we want to win something else. It's actually the living out that makes this real. It's the actual flow that comes from your heart to the world. In Mark 9, I love this passage. One of my greatest passages. If you're in the living room, I'd make you stand up. But there's, there's some people that have just been forging through Mark 9 at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I've loved this. And I was already had read this passage a month or so ago. And we just looked at it last week. So a lot of these insights are from many of you. Sally Seal, Paul, uh, Silvestri. Some of these have come out of this conversation about Mark 9. But Mark 9, I love it. Um, Peter, James, and John, verse 1 basically says, they see the kingdom of God. They're going to, you know, they're not going to taste death. I'm going to get to that verse back for you. They're not going to see death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. Well, it's funny, verse 1, verse 2 actually, he's saying, there it goes. Here it is. Peter, James, and John actually see the kingdom of God in power. Through this moment that all theologians call the transfiguration, transfiguration on the mountain. And it's so interesting to me why Mark went to such detail. Of course, he got the details from Peter. So maybe he's just like, okay, you know what? what I mean, what, did, what happened to Jesus? Well, okay, he was shining. Okay. And Peter's going, gosh, that's just not enough. Then he goes, no, exceedingly white. That's not enough. Like snow. And then he goes into this thing. You know, nobody can bleach the clothes Jesus was wearing. You know, that, that's just, that's hysterical. Like there is no apt description of what happened that moment the kingdom of God came down from heaven and invaded the earth, that mountain. And the portal was opened. It's beautiful. If that wasn't enough, here's two dead people. Two great, unbelievable Christian leaders, Elijah and Moses, standing there. And Jesus, it doesn't say what they're saying. Wouldn't you want to know? I mean, here's Jesus, Moses, Elijah, and they're just, they're talking about something. And this is when Billy walks in. And Billy says... Hey, Jesus, I see you're talking to Elijah and Moses, but can y'all push pause? Because this is a real moment. I want to capture this. What if we could take a selfie? What if we could take a video? Maybe we could take a picture of this. But see, what he really did was something unbelievably similar to that. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I do believe that the Feast of Tabernacles, Paul brought up, was happening. This is the same time when Jesus yelled from the back of the room. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And what? Rivers of living water will flow. If you drink from Jesus, rivers of living water will flow from you. you. You can't just take the knowledge. You have to let it go. Something has to come from within and go out but Jesus allows Billy, it could have been Billy, it's Peter here, but 
what do I want to do when I'm, when I'm in that portal? When the kingdom of God comes, I go, okay, well, what do I need to do next? I need to make sure this happens. I've got to build, 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 build. And it, even if it were for good intentions at that moment, because the, the festival of booths, like they built, built these shelters to signify that, that God provided for them as they walked, they, after, as they left Egypt. And so the, the Jewish religion would say, we are the greatest religion through these ceremonies and these festivities. And so Peter was just doing what he knew best. He was being religious. Now for some of you, that's a great term. For some of you, like, hey, that's not why I come here. But that's what Peter was doing. The spiritual realm turned on. It turned on. The spiritual realm met the natural realm at that moment. And Jesus let Peter, James, and John participate. It's amazing. They got to see the kingdom of God. Jesus was transfigured. Basically, Jesus' whole appearance shone forth in glorious bright light. As we said, like they were shining. They were this glorified version of what he's like in heaven. Was standing before him. Was standing before these three ordinary people like me and you. Jesus was transfigured. That word describes a change on the outside that comes from the inside. It is the opposite of masquerade, which is an outward change that does not come from within. A change on the outside comes from the inside. The inside leads the way. Jesus represents what happened when we trust him. In the physical realm on earth, we change on the inside and on the outside follows. Jesus' glory is revealed. I love what Charles Spurgeon said some 200 years ago. This is such a beautiful point. He says, this was not a new miracle, but the temporary pause of an ongoing miracle. The real miracle was that Jesus, most of the time, could keep from displaying his glory. For Christ to be glorious was almost a less matter than for him to restrain or hide his glory. It is forever his glory that he concealed for his glory. It is forever his glory that he concealed his glory. And that, though he was rich, for our sakes became poor. He held back his, his glory. Why? Because he was... He had a mission, and his mission was to die on a cross for you. And race back to life. That mission had to happen. If he was walking around glorified all the time, it wouldn't have. In my opinion, I believe Jesus, the hard part was holding back this glory. He finally gets on the, it's like a smoke break. Man, finally, get to show my glory. Like, yes. And could I have Moses and Elijah there? And let's, okay, we can let those three guys in there, but 
Just to underscore this point, the spiritual gifts glorify Jesus when they come from our heart. They come from our heart, this glory of Jesus pours out. We may not be white, like whiter than some kind of bleach substance, but what happens is the aroma of Christ is set out in action. Like Jesus, God has bestowed his glory to be revealed. How does his glory get revealed in our lives? It's through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we surrender to him and we let him live through us, Jesus' glory comes out. It's magnificent. And what happens is, at that moment, you've seen it, you've seen it. The portal opens. The Holy Spirit uses you in some way or some fashion and the portal opens. The kingdom of God is there in that instant. It, it happens in the natural realm because when Jesus died, rose again, appeared to more than 500 people, that moment set the whole thing in motion. The kingdom of God, Jesus' kingdom, began. It began. And it is now moving forward to a glorious conclusion. Now back to my favorite verse. I love what Peter says. He says, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Peter beautifully gives us a real picture of my kind of natural reaction to the kingdom. He interrupted and told Jesus it was good to be there. Jesus said, Jesus, what I find interesting, he didn't say, hey, come on. I'm doing something here. I mean, he's, what he said was, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Let us build these tabernacles. And Jesus probably just thought, hmm, okay, where is this going? I, I mean, I have no idea what Jesus thought, but he goes, oh, is it? Is it good for us to be here? Like, I would have some sarcastic response. Peter gave Jesus his suggestion on what we should do. Let's build some tabernacles. <laughs> Does that have any relevance to us today? We're building our own kingdoms. We're building our own things. How can I share what it means to be fully present? What does it mean to be fully present? For Peter, it was God the Father's voice saying, hey, listen to my son. I mean, it's like, it was just kind of a wake up. Like, you're not being fully present. Listen to my son. What does it mean to be fully pre present? I had a, uh, I was talking to Derek Wall, who knew I was speaking and didn't show up today. <laughs> but Derek, it was funny, he was saying, I went to a concert and he, he stood behind a, a couple and the couple videotaped the concert the whole time. Like, like an hour and a half, he said, he had the camera, they had the camera on. And it's like, what do we see that's strange about that? Like you're in 
the concert. It's the farewell, farewell tour of The Who, maybe. I went to the first one, and then they've had five since. <laughs> but what does that say? I was talking to a, a worship leader in, in Dallas this week, and he said, yeah, I went to Coldplay. Anybody at Coldplay? And All the 40 and plus people shout from the ceilings. But in one moment, he told me that, he goes, Chris Martin said, put your phones down, please. Can you just, let's just all enjoy this next song. He said, nobody did. Everybody wanted to film the thing that he said was not, you know, this is not going to be a time where we are, we're all going to be fully present. So let's get, let me be the first one. Being fully present, that's what Jesus wanted for Peter. He got to see the portal, the portal opened. He got to see the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. I love, I love that. Be present, Peter. It's not about building something. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. Be there, Peter. Remain in his presence and value his glory. For when you are surrendered to Jesus, glory is shown like Moses' face when he came down from the mountain. I've continued to come back to this passage because it draws me to this moment of, yes, Lord, that's where I want to be. I want to be where your kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Where the spiritual realm and the natural realm come together. Why? Because it's your only hope. Jesus brought this reality for you. And if you don't know that the spiritual realm is alive and going, you will grow discouraged. Pain will continue to build in you a separation from what the Lord wants for you, which is surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. How do we remain fully present? I could say simply in a word, abiding, right? I could say that. But the question we've all struggled, Kelly read a text from Hudson Taylor about how he struggled with, how do I continually keep the branch in the vine? I've had so many people say that to me. You're going to have to figure that out. But I will give you a clue. We live in his presence by resting in him. Knowing he will never leave us or forsake us, nothing will separate you from his love. Nothing. So, the mountain, the valley, the mountain we have, this amazing intersection of the spiritual realm and the natural realm, it's actually... For here too. Living in the natural and the spiritual together. Living knowing that we are spiritual beings. And that we are fully welcome to the spiritual realm. That's who we are. 
What can we learn from being up there? Well, that we can take it down here. That we can live in the valley. Actually, the valley is continually being forged so that more rivers of living water will flow. That's what, that's what's happening when you go through these experiences that are terrible. I just want to give you three points about what I feel I can glean from this passage. When we come down from the mountain, our hearts want nothing more than to go back up. Don't forget, this is who you are. The new covenant heart actually longs to be with Jesus. So if you're going, I'm just dry, just not happening for me. Well, that's not true of who you really are. You really are created to worship Jesus. And when you just open it a crack, when you just show up to something where people are praying and worshiping or sitting across the table for coffee with somebody, it opens the door. Paul says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Was it, a, was it Pascal? Was it Aristotle? Someone said, our hearts will only find rest. Pascal will only find rest in Jesus. The second thought I would just throw at you is when we come down the mountain, we must embrace the truth that this intimacy was meant for the valley as well. We are to bring this mountain relationship into the valleys when they come. And they will. And I know some of you, some of you are in the valley. But yet, all that I'm sharing is not changed. This picture, it's a great little Sunday school picture, but I love it. It's my kind of picture. You've got Elijah, you've got Moses. But what I see is the kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. It's possible. It's real. If you've never experienced it, it happens. Please let me reiterate that Jesus sees us as we are in the spiritual realm. He sees us as a child of God, that we're forgiven, that his love cannot separate us from any, you know, anything can separate us from our, his love. First Corinthians, do you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? God is in you and he's never going to leave you. My third learning would say, when we come down the mountain, we want to bring as many people as possible with us. We want as many people as possible to have this same relationship with Jesus so they can experience the hope that comes from abiding in Jesus on the mountain or in the valleys. And this is what brings, brings this point or this these next realm of thoughts about Kelly and I and where we're going in our future. If you haven't heard Kel, uh, Jonathan shared such kind words regarding, regarding Kelly and I, we are blessed to have Jonathan and Annie as our pastor and friend. Uh, 
Kayla and I realized a long, long ago, if we act as a reservoir of God's love, we become stagnant to those around us. We start to smell, those people and we, start to smell the stench of the dead water. However, when we abide in Jesus and act as a channel of his love, we see and experience the living water Jesus refers to. If you know Kelly and my story, you know Jesus has led us to be spiritual parents and to call people on the back end of their life to be the same. I'm calling you today to be spiritual parents. I love how Paul shares this with the Corinthian church. He says, I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as beloved children. For if you were, if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. He says, do not write these things. What things? The previous verses were, we were fools for Christ. We are weak. We are without honor. We're hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, roughly treated, and homeless. The pause. I had to write it down. Pause. Because it's hard to bring up the Uvalde situation. We grieve for these parents and long for Jesus to return and restore his kingdom fully where none of this will happen under his reign in his kingdom. It easy, it's easy for us to start building a tabernacle and point the finger at whose fault it is instead of looking at ways to bring Jesus' kingdom, to release the glory of Jesus, which resides within us to the world. <sighs> Do I have time to read this quote? You don't think so? <laughs> Kelly read this to me yesterday, and uh, <laughs> tell me you shouldn't have read it if I read it. The young man in the North American continent is planted in a field fertilized by atomization, loneliness, and hopelessness. Many have never met their father, and most do not have anything remotely close to a good relationship with him. Most have no meaningful connection to the community in which they live, nor even the nation they inhabit. In school, they are social outcasts, driven to niche internet communities, for the only semblance of human interaction in their lives. They are marinated in hardcore pornography from before they have even reached pubescence. They know, or at least perceived, that they will never know love. When, when, he, when Kelly read this from a magazine, I was thinking, the chains have been broken. They were broken then when he wrote these things about spiritual parents. We have tons of tutors. We have podcasts everywhere. You hear my sermons or whatever. And you can continually load up again on knowledge. But if we don't love, it's all just clanging. It's noise. We must. Some of us go, well, 
it won't happen to my kids. I'm going to protect them. I don't know what will happen to your kids, but I do know only Jesus does. And Jesus' kingdom is here. And when we look through Jesus' portal and we see that his kingdom is here and we start to experience it and we bring others with us, like we bring the young people with us, younger than us, and the younger people bring the other younger people than them with them, and they experience the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, there is hope. There is hope for the world. Where does that begin? It begins with you spiritually parenting people. But you'd say, oh, wait a minute. I'm a mess. There's no way. Look at Peter. There are chains that are broken. And it doesn't have to be a church, a city, a nation. But it is one person that you can love today. And you can help father or mother and bring into a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is under the reign and rule of the greatest king who is a servant who loves us unconditionally and will never stop. So for Kelly and I, I mean, I'm not going to read all this stuff, but there's translocal, that word you've probably heard. But for Kelly and I, we've been asking God to use us in our lifetime to father and mother people spiritually. It's who we are. We'll be sent out in, in August from this church as Kelly continues to teach and continue to be faithful to those God has given her as a teacher. Jonathan and Annie have in, are impacted by many of you and so many people already. But we're blessed to have entered into their lives and we will continue. There are others in other cities we must take our last missionary journey to go love. God has given us these people and we are to be faithful to them. Translocal is the best description of how our ministry has worked for several years. The longing to spiritual parent is birthed out of who my spiritual gift is, which you're not hearing about today. And that's about what is mentioned in 1 John 4, the gift of apostleship. Um, meaning one who is sent out. Apostles are visionary and pioneering. I don't know about that, but they forge new paths in the kingdom and are a catalyst for change wherever they go. So just to wrap up, I want to leave you with a few thoughts and then we're going to pray together and then we're going to go impact the world together. You are to spiritually parent someone, maybe one, You may be saying, I'm a mess, but the good news is that's not who you are to Jesus. You're a child of God. You're a friend of God. You're completely his. He will never leave you or forsake you. I've said that three times, so it's in you. Again, Jesus will overflow and the doing, the tabernacle building will come. They'll, it'll come from an overflow of your heart. But you must keep Jesus as the door.
Everything in your life goes through Jesus. He's the door. Jesus knew that about Peter. He knew that, that on that day, Peter interrupted and he was quiet. He didn't say anything to Peter. He let it go because he knew who Jesus was. Because see, he saw Peter in the spiritual realm. Peter didn't just see Jesus. Jesus saw Peter. What do we know about Peter? Upon this rock, I will build my church. I believe Jesus was referring to him through Peter. But it seems best to understand that Jesus was praising Peter for his accurate statement that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He was recognized as an apostle, but yet he said, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a bond servant. If the band could come up, I'm going to close this down here. The only glory Peter claimed for himself was that which is shared by all believers and which is yet to be revealed when the chief shepherd appears. His words. Jesus knew Peter would be the first pope and and help lead the beginnings of the church. I'm assuming Peter moved that mountaintop experience. He brought it to the valleys because his life, he was martyred for God. But he kept looking through the spiritual eyes and the realm. If you don't mind, as a way to, to kickstart what Kelly and I are going to do, I'm just going to ask you to be, we're feeling led to pray um, next year and do some prayer. But I'd like to give you some names. And you're the people that God brought here for this very moment. So what I'd like to ask you to do is just to grab a name off this list. If you can read it, it might be too small. But these are all people Kelly and I have invested in over the, I don't know, last 15 years. But if you would grab a name right now, you're just going to pray for a minute. And you're going to pray for this husband and wife who lead these churches in these different cities. And I'd like you to, that's where the prayer, certainly Kelly and I need it, but this is where we want you to pray, right here. With these people, they're precious friends. We know God has given them to us to parent, and we will continue to do that here. So just take a moment, if you close your eyes, Get a name or a church or a city on this list. Pray whatever you feel led to pray right now. Lord, would you speak? Show us how to pray for this individual or this couple or this church. Lord Jesus, we lift up these friends, these brothers and sisters in different cities we ask you to anoint them this morning with your presence. May they see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven this morning in their own church. Will you grant them a supernatural awakening? We've seen what you've done. We see what you can do. We believe in you. And we know that you're drawing your people forward. 
And may these shepherds of these churches be used for your kingdom, God. Build your kingdom. But may they forever see through spiritual eyes how you see them and how they see you. We want to commit these friends to you, Lord. And we pray that you would empower them from on high, Holy Spirit. Empower them. May they do supernatural things and, and be lead in supernatural ways that only you could be glorified as a result. We commit them to you, Jesus, in your name. We pray, Jesus. If you need prayer, we'll have some prayer folks down front, but this is Memorial Day weekend. We're thankful for the freedom that we have. And if you are in the military, I am thankful for what you've done and what you're doing. But let's remember, let's remember him as we started this morning in communion. Let's remember Jesus as he is. Amen.